Today, as I go into the Word, I want you to remember something. And that is that when you listen to the Word of God, when someone is teaching and preaching from the Word of God under the inspiration of Holy Spirit, there's a transference that takes place. This transference brings joy. It brings peace. It brings healing. If I could tell you the stories of people just sitting in a car or watching on television, but locked on. And the Bible says when you mix faith with what you hear, what does that mean? It means just focusing and trusting Jesus, that the Word of God transfers something into you, your relationship, your home, every area of your life. Today, I'm entitling my message, The Untold Christmas Story. Untold Christmas Story. Why? Because all my life I've heard different pieces of the Christmas story, and I'm sure people have done it, but I have never really heard the Christmas story told in chronological order. Every picture you see is all, I mean, I love them, they're beautiful, but when you see the wise men and the shepherds and the little drummer boy, there's so many things that we've just added and kind of put together, and, and I love everything we do about Christmas. But I thought today, I want to tell you the story. The story of Christmas and the birth of Jesus takes place over the course of literally one to two years. We think it's the course of a couple of days. The Christmas story is found in Matthew, in Luke, and then all through the Old Testament prophets. We first start with an elderly couple named Zacharias and Elizabeth, who entered their old age, had never been able to have children. There at that time, and in the Jewish tradition, that meant that there was a curse. You know, to, to be barren was a curse. They had grown older watching other couples with children, watching other couples with grandchildren, and them going back to each other. They had each other, but they didn't have children. Now, Zacharias was a priest. And in those days, the priests were on a, on a rotation. And he would come in from where they lived in the hills. And he would, every once in a while, be the priest that would minister in the temple. This day, he was doing the, um, he was lighting the incense that was going up as worship, as a part of temple worship. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to him and begins to instruct him that he and Elizabeth are going to have a child. Now, he has given in to their condition to such a degree that he didn't believe the angel. And the angel told him that when this baby boy was going to be born, that his name would be John. We are talking here about the greatest of all prophets, Jesus said, who went forth and prepared the way for the Messiah. When he was in the, the temple too long and people were getting worried. But as he came out, the scripture shows us that he was both mute, unable to speak, and he was deaf, unable to hear. He could only communicate back and forth in writing. Elizabeth became pregnant soon after with John the Baptist. Six months later, an angel appears to Mary. Now Mary is the cousin of Elizabeth. Some people don't realize that, that John the Baptist's mom 
and Jesus' mother were cousins, first cousins. But an angel appears to Mary and tells her that she is going to become pregnant. And this is going to be the Son of God. She was a virgin. And here we have an example of somebody who believes. Be careful that as you grow, and if you've been a Christian for a long time, Christians who seem to think they're mature in the Word of God, but if you can't believe God for miracles, you're not mature. You're still a baby. You're locked in to where you are. And God, God literally had to have Zacharias become mute because he, as the father now of the child that was in Elizabeth, his wife, his words could wreck the miracle. Did you know that according to the Bible, your words bring life? Your words bring death. Your words bring life and death to your marriage, your health, your mind. Stop saying, I'm so confused. Well, I just don't know what to do. Stop declaring. Well, that's the truth. No, it's not. Just pause for a minute and say, I thank God that I've got the mind of Christ. I'll remember that. The next time you feel fearful, stop saying, I'm so afraid, and say, you know what? The peace of God is mine. Let me just pause for a minute here while I find the peace that's already in my spirit. Change your language. Change your words. Zacharias literally spent nine and a half months mute and deaf because he wouldn't believe God, and God couldn't afford him to interrupt the miracle that needed to take place. But Mary, Mary believed him. And she said, so be it done unto me according to your word. You know what's really cool is that shortly after the angel appears to Mary, she does a two to three day trip walking into the hills to Elizabeth's house, her cousin. And as she greets Elizabeth, the baby within her, John the Baptist, literally leaps. And the Bible says she becomes full of the Holy Spirit. And she begins to prophesy to Mary and tells her the baby in her womb and who it was and what this Messiah was going to do. Can you imagine what went on with Mary when you think about the fact that you're pregnant and you're not married? Now, you're engaged to Joseph but here you are as a teenager living in a culture where you are often shunned if you are pregnant outside of marriage. And so every day she's dealing with maybe people who accept her and believe her, but she's dealing with the most disapproving looks. You know what it's like to get up and walk into a restaurant and have people shake their head or, or look down at you or walk down the street or, uh, you know, these things? she would have gone through having to fight shame all the time and reminding herself that an angel appeared to me, that I, I have not forsaken the laws of God, but this is what God has done. And so Mary believes. She's spending time in Elizabeth's house. You know, Joseph, just previously to this, he was going to divorce her. To be engaged at that time, was, it was literally a, a legal thing. And they were going to get married, but he wanted to divorce her from the engagement quietly and privately. But an angel appears to Joseph and tells him to not be afraid to make Mary his wife and tells him to a degree of what is going on. So Joseph, this young man, and Mary, this, they're probably, she's probably a teenager, him too in his late teens, and they stay together. Here she is. 
at Elizabeth's house. Two cousins. Can you imagine this story? Here's the mother of John the Baptist who's going to get up and declare the way of the Lord. The kingdom is at hand was his message. And here's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And they spent two to three months together. I wonder what they talked about as they went through the things the angels said that Zacharias had told her of what the angel said to him as he was a priest doing his duty in the temple. Mary continues to progress in her pregnancy. Elizabeth, six months before Jesus, has John the Baptist. And then when they're about to be delivered, the government requires a census and that you must return to your hometown. For Joseph, it's Bethlehem. They head to Bethlehem. So does everybody else that that's where they have to go for this census. And they can't find a place to stay. So while they're in Bethlehem, and the Bible doesn't say the day they arrive, it says while they were there, she began to have this baby Jesus. And there was no room in the inn. That word also can mean that every house back in those days had an upper room and hospitality was one of the most important um, gifts or uh, things you could do was to welcome strangers and so most of those homes would have an upper chamber where when guests would come you could put them in there but this whole town is filled with people and so they went in and she had him now some believe uh, that it was a cave if you go back and you study Jewish history they'll they, they say there's a cave there in Bethlehem they have marked it out that they have believed for thousands of years that cave was kind of a and they would use caves for stables and for animals as well if they could find them and they were built around there and that cave is considered the stable where they went and it was set up for them to sleep in and Jesus was born and laid in a manger. Well, that very night, angels are out looking after their sheep and it says that an angel in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, it says now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields and they're keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them. It doesn't say walked up. It's just wham, here's an angel. Now, in those days, they believed if you saw an angel, it meant you were about to die. So anytime you hear someone sees an angel, they literally are waiting to be killed, to die. And so it brings incredible fear. An angel stands in front of these shepherds and it immediately tells them, don't be afraid. All through the word, angels and Jesus would often tell people before a miracle was about to take place, don't be afraid. Why? Because fear destroys miracles. Fear compromises faith. It stops. And so you can't be afraid. Never allow fear, worry, anxiousness, stress. There's so many. We've taken the word stress and encompassed a whole bunch of fear and made it okay because we've got a new word. No every form of anxiousness and worry and terror it's all fear-based and so this angel says don't be afraid and he begins to tell them and he says this i'm going to bring you good tidings of great joy for everybody for there is born to you this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord and this will be the sign to you you're going to find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger and as soon as he said it their eyes were open to something that we still don't get the bible says there was a host of heavenly angels now when you look at pictures you'll see about nine angels 
kind of effeminate and, you know, and they're singing. That's not what the Bible says. It says literally here that suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly host. It literally, if you look at it in the expanded Bible version, it's talking about from horizon to horizon, the army of the Lord. And they're not singers. They're not kind of a singing angel. This is the hosts of heaven. And they are praising God and they are saying, so they're shouting from the mouths of millions of angels from horizon to horizon. And they're saying, glory to God. I mean, it must have made your hair stand on end. And then it said, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Some versions say goodwill amongst men. That is not what it's saying. I love the King James and the New King James as it brings out this goodwill is from God to mankind because of what Jesus would do. An amazing thing. It doesn't tell us how long the, uh, the shepherds stayed with Mary, but they ran to the stable and this cave and they told them what they had seen. Can you imagine this teenage couple? You, you if you're born again, you have the Spirit of God alive on, in your spirit. But before Jesus died, there were no born again people. And so fear and loneliness and worry and anxiety was much, they were much more susceptible to it. So here they are. They have this baby. Maybe they had a, a midwife, but the two of them. Everywhere Joseph went, I think people would look at him as shake their head and what's wrong with this young man to keep this girl, the baby's not even his. They're trying to say it's God's. Can you imagine the talk from the doubters? We're always have doubters. Every one of us has people who just doubt. They're cynical. They don't believe in what you believe in. Be careful how much time you spend with cynical people who doubt. Because I believe that when the, angel, when the shepherds began to come and they surrounded this stable and said, that's what we saw. This is the baby. And they began to worship and declare what the angels said. This teenage couple, Joseph and Mary. I can imagine the joy and the hope, and it was worth all the negative talk. And, you know, to serve Jesus today, just remember that people have always had people around them look down upon them. They'll laugh at your faith in God's Word, your belief in the King of Kings, your belief that there is an enemy, there is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. To believe what we believe, there'll always be people laughing at it. But one day, every knee is going to bow. Even in the things we're dealing with now around the planet, you know, some people keep telling me, Leon, you just seem to be a little bit upset about something and this is wrong. We just need to... No, 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 listen to me. Everything that kills, steals, and destroys comes from the evil one. And regardless of what is going on in our world, from evil governments in some countries to viruses that could be natural, many scientists believe it has been made and weaponized. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there. But know this, there is a kingdom of darkness. And there are always evil people who give in to the dark side's desires to dominate the church. There is a war that is going on today on the world, and the church is the most powerful force on the planet. And our, we are to take and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. They take this baby Jesus. Amen. They take baby Jesus. 
And within a week or two into the temple in Jerusalem, they travel from Bethlehem to present him before the Lord. An elderly person named Simeon is there praying, and God has spoken to him and told him that he would not die till he physically saw the Messiah. As they walk in, the presence of God touches this elderly man who has prayed and, and declared and stood in faith in an intercessory prayer. And he holds baby Jesus and he begins to speak. As well, there's another woman who is a widower who has spent years as well going to the temple, fasting and praying and believing and praying for the Messiah to come. Did you know as you study this portion of Scripture, we could segue from here to the fact that nothing that God wants to do on this planet can be done unless prayer, which is His people believing in Him and desiring and declaring His power, unless the church prays, which is an out loud, out of your mouth, declaring the promises of God, God can't just do whatever He wants. People struggle with that thought, but many great minds over the centuries have noticed it seems as though God can do nothing except by prayer. And here these two people, we don't, we, there might have been others praying, but we know that these two were praying. And because of their prayers, God had them there in the temple. They had a chance to hold the Messiah before both of them, somewhere in the near future, went to be with him, uh, they, 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 they passed away. As baby Jesus is growing up, he's probably between somewhere between a month or two old to two years. Somewhere in that time frame, we have the Magi. These are wise men from the East, and they see a star. And as you look at people who, who know astronomy, and as you study history, you'll know that Magi served in the courts of all kings in those days. Daniel, for example, when he was a captive in Babylon, talks about how he could interpret dreams and signs, and the king was in awe that the rest of his wise men, his Magi, uh, couldn't interpret. And so there are signs in the heavens, the Bible says, and that the future is written in the stars is true. You'll find it written. Now, we are forbidden to look for our um, future in the stars through horoscopes and other ways. God forbids it. Don't do it. The enemy will tie you in a knot and fool you because you're supposed to turn to Jesus, to Holy Spirit, to guide you and lead you. But all through the, this time, there were men who studied the skies, and in every, um, uh, in every tribe and tongue, there was a knowing that a king would come. It was taught all the way from the garden out through the Tower of Babel and, and the spreading of people around the planet. They knew there would be a king, and this king would be the king of all kings, that all kings would bow their knee to this king, that this king would set up and tear down, that this king would start a kingdom that could never be stopped ever. They knew that. And these magi who studied the heavens every day, and when you lived to be hundreds of years old like they did back then, you could study the sky. You didn't have social media. You didn't have a lot of books or television. What do you do? You gain wisdom of, of the world that is around you. And so they knew. They knew that when a star appeared, and by the way, astronomers will tell us uh, that 
literally at the time of his birth, right in there, that there was a nova, which is a star that suddenly explodes. And it becomes literally 10 to 100,000 times brighter than it had been. And there was a nova that took place at this time heading towards Judea. And the, the Magi decided to follow it. They, they say that this nova was visible for 10 weeks in this period of time. And if the Magi had left Persia shortly after it appeared by caravan, they would have been able to reach Bethlehem while it was still visible. When they reached Jerusalem, the Magi were looking for this star and they couldn't see it for a while. And so they went and they began to ask around about where was the king of the Jews born. And that makes sense because they tell us that once a month the moon would hide that nova. And so when the nova reappeared at dawn uh, after they had spoken uh, to, the, to King Herod, uh, it would have been, they say, 50 degrees high, due south of Jerusalem, directly over Bethlehem. And they would have seen it, been filled with joy. And Matthew 2, verses 1 and on, says they fell down and worshipped him. Now, King Herod had heard that there's a king that's being born in his area. And he was such a jealous, evil, self-centered leader. And today it's crucial the Church of Jesus Christ raises up servant leaders, whether it's as pastors or whether we raise up people in politics and business. Every one of us needs to serve Jesus with that kind of a heart. But King Herod was evil. And he said to the wise men, tell me where you can find him. And so I may go worship him too. And we know that the Lord appeared to the, to the Magi in a dream and said, don't go back. Go home another way. But while the Magi were there, the Bible doesn't say Jesus was a baby. It says Jesus was a child. And they didn't go to the stable. They went to their house. And it says there they worshipped. And they opened their treasures to the family. It wasn't a little, a little cute gold coin or a, a little bottle of perfume. It was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Three of the most precious substances in the then known world. And it says that this caravan of magi, and, and Jewish tradition says around 12 of them or so by caravan opened their treasures. And these people would have been wealthy. They served kings and kingdoms and they were paid well. They were rich. And it says they opened their treasures. I believe they financed the ministry of Jesus and that family. And we know that Joseph doesn't appear in scripture after Jesus is 12 years old. And Jewish tradition believes, and it comes up through the thousands of years that Joseph passed away, somewhere around Jesus' 19th birthday. Now, these are just things that the Bible doesn't say. It's silent about, but they just come up through other articles, Jewish tradition, oral tradition, that has been passed on. Now, we know that when Herod realizes the wise men were not coming back, he gets mad and angry, and he sends out a decree to kill all baby boys around the Bethlehem area under the age of two. Before he is able to fill this out, an angel appears to Joseph and says, take the child and run to Egypt. And he does. Him and Mary and Jesus, the baby, they, they, or the child now, they run into Egypt and they're there till King Herod dies and God guides them back. It's a fascinating thought that John the Baptist, who foretold of Jesus and that him and Jesus were cousins and probably knew of each other, could have spent time together. And when John the Baptist 
was baptizing Jesus and he looks up and sees him just before and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There probably was a, a Spirit of God aha moment as he played and knew and maybe suspected, who knows, but all of a sudden it all came together as the presence of God touched him, touched Jesus, and the story goes on from there. This story from the, from the angel appearing to Zacharias up until here uh, is just a phenomenal Bible story, and that's the order that it takes place in. And I want to challenge you with this last thought. Mary begins to prophesy when Elizabeth, when she meets Elizabeth, and John the Baptist jumps within her as he recognizes the Savior. Now, he doesn't, but the, you know, just as that little infant in the womb, and Mary begins to declare some things. In Luke chapter 1, verse 49 to 55, we have a part of the prophetic utterance that Mary makes under the inspiration of Holy Spirit. Some of the things that she says is that because of Jesus, generations of your family could know Him. Because of Jesus, that His mercy would be upon you for generations. That because of Jesus, that those who scheme evil against His church and the seed of Abraham, which we are, because we are saved, that those schemes would not work. And that leaders who rose up, who would scheme and come against His church, that they would be dethroned and that the proper leaders would be exalted. This is the prophecy Mary is making as a teenager girl pregnant with baby Jesus and she goes on to declare that Abraham to Abraham's seed which every born-again believer is a part of that the descendants and God would be faithful to protect and bless bring peace joy forever and for generations so wherever you are today and what's going on around us in this pandemic if you've been watching too much news and you're filled with fear it's time to recognize the church of Jesus Christ is the prevailing force on this planet and while the news will never share it there are more people coming to Jesus than ever before in the history of the world there are so many people from country to country churches when I was when I would preach in the last year the year before through some of our third world and and join some of the denominations and and God began to work with about seven of them with spirit contemporary and going in and speaking at conferences I began to hear numbers of how many were coming to know Jesus for example even in the Muslim window uh, of 40 some countries and they can't even keep they can't even build churches fast enough to hold those who are coming to know Jesus churches that are exploding and five thousand churches started under just one church that I met with in Fiji over everywhere I went in Europe that which used to be the death toll of churches so the size 20 we're seeing churches of thousands springing up in England where the average church was 20 we're seeing churches rising up to hundreds and thousands of people in Canada when we were here just 25 years ago 23 years ago the paper said there'll never be mega churches in Canada there'll be no churches in the thousands Canada will never put up with it said one of the leaders of religious studies in one of the Toronto papers. When he said that, we had already passed 2,000 people as a church, and today across the country and right around us here are churches that are in the thousands. And I want you to know that the church of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped, that Christmas is a great reminder of Jesus and His church.
Father, I pray today that you would touch every person listening. That this Christmas story that we celebrate would bring such peace, such hope, and such faith. Touch every home, every person listening from every country of the world that is joining us. Touch them. Bring them hope and faith that we're a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, hell can't stop us, let alone governments, leaders, or armies. Thank you for that, Father. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, I want you to know that you can make that decision. The Bible says you are to believe on Jesus, to focus on Jesus, to believe on Him. Go into the Bible, which is the inspired Word of God, once I lead you in this prayer, and let this faith, this believing in Jesus, grow stronger. If you'd want, like to give your life to Him, if you'd like to accept this beautiful gift that we celebrate at Christmas, which is Jesus, but now just a minute, it's not Jesus as a baby. The gift is the Jesus that died in your place, forgave all your sin. Your sins have been forgiven for 2,000 years. This Jesus would rise again, and the life that was upon Him would be shared to every person that gave their lives to him. So just say this with your mouth. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I choose you as my Savior and Lord. I'm going to follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. That's how beautiful, that's how awesome that is.